0: Good morning, Um, our Bible reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 14 and through to the end of the chapter. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died so that in him we might become the righteousness of God.
1: Morning, everyone. Nice to see you all. My name's Jared. I'm the pastor here. I think I've met everyone. (laughs) Lovely to see you. Uh, Please join me as we pray. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and kindness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you that you care about us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came, that you came to save us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're with us now. Please be with us as we read your word, as we try to understand it. Please give us uh, insight and, uh, yeah, illuminate these words in our hearts, Lord, and help us to be changed by what we read. In Jesus' precious name, Amen. Uh, so, uh, just as as to let. Some people know I haven't told everyone this, but I've told a few people. I've got a bit of a pain in my neck at the moment. I don't mean metaphorically. I mean like literally. I have a, a and and a bit of in my shoulder and my back. So if I don't look at you the normal way or if I grimace occasionally, it's not because I'm angry at you or anything like that. Um it's just because I'm a bit tense in that side. I think I think I did it. I was carrying I over overextended myself carrying Heath in lesmerdy Falls. It was a lot of fun, but um, <laughs> I think I'm learning new things as a dad now, um, and he's a big boy. So, um, yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that that doesn't distract us too much. Um, but speaking of tension, uh, relationships. Let's talk about relationships. Uh, we all have relationships, don't we? Um, some are good, some are challenging, some are bad, some are easy, some are complicated. Maybe Christmas is a time that reminds us of that fact. Sometimes we have really positive relationships and other times they can be really challenging. God is a relational being. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit. He has forever existed as, that, as God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in that loving relationship. And He made us to be relational beings too. To relate to Him and to one another. And when God made the world... All the relationships were good. Uh, The relationship between God and humanity, so God and us, that was good. The relationship between humanity and humanity, so us with one another, was good. And the relationship between us and the creation that God had made, also good. All good relationships in the perfect creation that God had made. But that's not the way things are now, is it? I mean, when we look at our lives... I think we can all see that there's some sense of brokenness in our relationships between us and God, between us and one another, between us and the creation. And that all comes from sin, uh, which is our rebellion against our loving creator. Uh, Things aren't good now like they were at the beginning when God made us. And why is that? Is it because God has changed? No, he's still the same. Why are things not good like they were? Well, it's not because God has done anything to make the creation go bad. It started with us, with humanity's decision to reject God and go our way instead. Uh, That's what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. Um, They decided they were going to go their way, live life on their terms, instead of God's way and living life on his terms. And the rest of us have followed in their footsteps ever since. Uh, The rejection of the giver of life deserves the just punishment of death and condemnation. And so we're all there, and all of those good relationships that we had, we find them broken and tattered. And we find ourselves needing to have them restored. Our relationship with God, by nature, we find ourselves under his judgment, needing to be restored to him, but unable to do it ourselves. Our relationships with one another, marked by selfishness, competition, unhealthy Uh, behaviors, um, relational difficulties, comparing ourselves to one another. And our relationship to creation? Well, we see things like tsunamis and earthquakes and volcanic eruptions and masses of waste that kills turtles and things like that. So not not exactly all hunky-dory there either. So the relationships we find are broken. The good relationships that God made are broken. The ones between us and God, between us and one another, and us and the creation. It's not as it ought to be. Um, I'm sure that we, we all share that feeling. We look around at the world and we think this isn't the way it should be. And yet we can't get ourselves out of it, can we? We need someone to intervene and not just anyone. We need the God who made this world to intervene. We need him who made these relationships to make them new. We need him. We need God to act to restore and rescue us. And there's a beautiful word that sums up uh, what, what, what this is, and that's the main message of the passage today. It also starts with R. The word is reconciliation. And that word is all about restoring relationships, bringing relationships back to wholeness instead of brokenness, healing instead of hurt, unity instead of division, peace instead of conflict, But how is this reconciliation, this restoration of relationships brought about? Well, it's not done by us. We, humanity, are the ones responsible for getting ourselves into this mess. And we can't rescue ourselves from it. Uh, Yeah, sort of like quicksand. If we jump in there, which we're all in by nature, the more we struggle, the more we sink. We need to be rescued. And that's exactly what God has done. God, in his infinite love, his deep care, his awesome mercy, has acted to rescue sinners, to save all of those who put their trust in Jesus. So what does that look like? What does it look like to be saved, to be rescued? There's two things I want us to think about there. The first one, in verse 17, we read, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That doesn't only mean for for the men in the room. That's uh, also for women. Uh, If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. To be a new creation. Have you thought about that before? To be made new. Not the same as the old creation that we once were, but new. Have you ever stopped to reflect on that truth? That if you belong to Jesus, you aren't the same as you used to be. That was then this is now. You're new. The guilt, the shame, the evil that used to be who we were isn't us anymore. And that is awesome, isn't it? When you reflect on that truth, that's not me anymore. And, and, and when, you, when you look at your life and you see how God has worked in your life, and you see who you are now by his grace, and you compare that to what you were like, I know for me, uh, I look back and I think, man, I'm not that person anymore because of the grace of God. And that's true for all of us, a new creation, a new person. Isn't that awesome? And secondly, in verse 19, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So the the second thing that that to being, being saved looks like is to not have our sins counted against us. The things where we've wronged God, to not have that counted on our record, to, to have a clean slate. Instead of uh, having, a, having a, you know, like a criminal record, for example, you've got a clear record. I've got a clear record because of the Lord Jesus. And that's only possible because of him. And uh, in, 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 in the Bible, um, David talks about how uh, blessed is, is the one whose sins are not counted against them. It is an awesome thing to not have the wrong that we've done credited to us. So God looks at us and he sees us in perfect righteousness. So those two things are super significant. Being a new creation, not the same as we once were, and to not have the wrong things that we've done counted against us. To be looked at by God as new, as righteous. But how can that happen? How can we be new creations? How can God, who's just and fair, Not count our trespasses against us. Well, he doesn't paper over the cracks. No, there's a basis for this declaration. In his amazing love, God made a plan way back before the foundation of the world to do something to save. And God's plan for restoring these relationships hinges on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to be born so that our relationship with God may be restored. But Jesus did more than just be born, didn't he? How does Jesus coming reconcile sinners to God? We'll look at two things in here. So the first one, unity with Christ. Have a read with me of verses 14 to 15. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, Therefore, all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. The old us is dead. If we've been united to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, it's interesting how he, he says here, one has died for all, not therefore no one else has died. He says one has died for all, therefore all have died you've been united to the Lord Jesus Christ, you're united to him when he dies, which is an amazing thing to think about. But you think, that's exactly what we need. We need our old selves to be dead in order for us to be a new self. The old us is united uh, to Jesus and dead, and the new us is now, is still united to Jesus. So, when Jesus rises from the dead, we too are secure and made alive with him. One has died for all, therefore all have died. United to Jesus in his death, old self, our sin, put to death. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. United to Jesus in his resurrection, which then leads to the resurrection way of living. That's the first one, unity with Christ. It's how God does it, he unites us to the Lord Jesus, puts our old self to death, gives us new life. Second one, this we will call the glorious exchange. Now, before I get to this, I want to talk to you about uh, an illustration. Um, There's a book written by a guy who, I haven't read it, I can't recommend it, but um, there's a book anyway. Um, A guy who started out with a paperclip, and he was like, you know what? I'm gonna swap this paperclip, and I'm gonna work my way up um, I don't know if he had in mind where he was going when he started, but he started with his paperclip and, 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 you know, he goes up to someone and is like, oh, hey, can I say, Pete here, can I swap my paperclip for your pen? And Pete says, sure, you know, um, we swap, now I have a pen. Then, then he works his way up, so maybe he swaps his pen for a notebook. Then uh, he's got his notebook, swaps that for an, a different kind of book. Then, then maybe he swaps that book for uh, a library of books and so on and so on. he gets a car, then he gets a house, and and that's where it ends. So he he starts out with a paperclip and ends up with a house. Now, why am I telling you this? (laughs) Well, because that's a pretty amazing swap, isn't it? You think about it, he, he started with a paperclip, ends up with a house. Yes, it's an amazing swap. But the swap I'm about to tell you about is infinitely greater than that. The swap that we're talking about now is the swap that Jesus gives where he takes our sin on himself and he gives us his perfect righteousness. So you think all of our brokenness, our messed upness, the bad stuff that we do, think, say, who we are by nature. Jesus takes that onto himself. And all of the good stuff of Jesus, his perfection, his love, his beauty, his kindness, he puts onto us so we have his perfect righteousness. That's the best swap ever. Forget about a paperclip in a house. Jesus giving us his perfection and taking on our sin is the most amazing swap ever. Hear these words from verse 21. For our sake, he, that's God, made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, he's perfect, knew no sin, to be sin so that in him, so in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And what that means is, that for all of us who've been united to Jesus, he died on the cross, destroying our sin, paying the debt that we owed to God for our rebellion, and in return gave us his perfect righteousness. And that means that all who believe in Jesus can stand before the perfect God because of this amazing love and this amazing swap. So when we stand before God, we no longer stand condemned, but for all who believe in Jesus, We stand perfectly righteous, because whose account are we standing with? Not our own, but his. Jesus took our hell upon himself so that we can be with him in heaven forever. That's not what we deserve, but it is what he kindly and justly offers. At Christmas time, we often sing Hark the Herald, as we did earlier. Um, It's my favorite Christmas carol, by the way. And one of the lines, I think it's the first one, Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. And that, in short, in a way that rhymes, captures what God is saying to us in his word today. That Jesus is the king who has come to reconcile us to God, to restore that broken relationship. By paying the debt we owed in our place and rising again, he has done everything we need to be justified. Justified meaning being made right. And so Jesus gives us his righteousness and he takes on our sin. By paying the debt we owed in our place and giving us his perfect righteousness, he's done everything necessary to reconcile us to God, to bring us true peace. And that's what amazing love he has for us. Jesus came, he died, he rose again, and he did it to reconcile us to God, to restore our broken relationships. That's the awesome news of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. Paul mentioned earlier, our world celebrates Christmas, but don't understand the significance of it. Jesus didn't just come because babies are cute and we like singing songs. He came to save. Remember those things that we've spoken about. If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation, a new person, not the same as you were, not the same as I was. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, not counting the things that we've done that are wrong against us. And how can he do that in a righteous way? By uniting us to Christ and Jesus taking our sin and giving us his righteousness. So how do we respond to this amazing message? Well, first things first, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Uh, that, that's what Paul says in, in verse 20b. And what he's saying there is that we all need to be reconciled to God. We need to turn away from living life our way and receive the gift of salvation in the Lord Jesus, trusting him alone as savior. A verse 10, which is a little bit before, but in the same passage says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, we're all sinners. So the idea of standing before the judgment seat of God terrifying to us but in Jesus it need not terrify us anymore if we come to him and we're reconciled to God through Jesus we don't have to be scared of that day of the final day we'll stand there before the Almighty God perfect and righteousness clothed in Christ not afraid but secure in Jesus so, all we need to do is receive this gift of salvation that Jesus offers, to trust Him as Lord and Saviour. If you haven't done that yet, I want to ask why not? Paul uses the word implore, and that's exactly right. You might not use the word implore all that much, but it's kind of like begging like, I beg you to be reconciled to God. Jesus has done everything to save us. He's he's given us the, the most amazing gift ever. Don't reject him. Don't go on living with a broken relationship with God that leads to judgment. No, receive the free gift of reconciliation to God, of peace with him, of restoration. Our decision on this has eternal consequences. It's the difference between being with God face to face, enjoying forever with him, or being under his judgment in hell, in torment forever, in hopelessness. Come to Jesus today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Be reconciled to God, be right with God. Don't go on living with your sin being held on your account. Live with Jesus' perfect righteousness instead. And if you wanna do that today, I ask you to come to chat with me after the service. I'd love to pray with you, talk with you more. And point you to the Lord Jesus, who alone can save. I, I don't deserve to be saved. None of us do. And like a beggar pointing another beggar to where the well is, I'd be happy, more than happy, ecstatic to do that with you. Because Jesus has done what none of us could. He's come and he's saved and he's done it perfectly, righteously. So that's the first one. first one to respond to is be right with God. Be reconciled to him in Christ The second one, don't regard people according to the flesh, rather embrace the ministry of reconciliation that God calls us to. Uh, So the first part of that, don't regard people according to the flesh. Um, Paul says that from now on, this is in verse 16, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Instead of thinking of people in sort of a, worldly terms of, uh, of assessing people and that maybe thinking how successful they are or in, in earthly terms or whatever that happens to be. We need to not regard people like that. We need don't have like a mere human way of thinking about other people, but an eternal heavenly way of thinking about people. And so what's the alternative to considering people in an earthly way? Embracing the ministry of reconciliation that God calls us to. Once we've been reconciled to God, we've had that relationship restored, that necessarily flows into our other relationships. We've been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. That's what it says there, entrusted with it and made ambassadors for Christ. And this bit here struck me as I was reading it this week. God making his appeal through us. God making his appeal through us. What? (laughs) Yeah, that's right. God works through us to make his appeal to others to be reconciled to him. And as with Paul here, begging, begging people to be reconciled to God on behalf of Christ. When we make that appeal to others, God is at work. He is appealing to people to be reconciled to him through his people. And that tells us a number of amazing things. Um, I had two, crossed it out, wrote three, crossed it out, wrote four. I could probably keep going. So I've got four written down, but we'll see if there's more. The first one, what an honor it is for God to do that for us, to use us in that way, to, to, to work through us, his people, to work towards the reconciliation of others, uh, those who were formerly his enemies, not having anything to offer ourselves. Uh, but being used like like the beggars we are to point to the well of the Lord Jesus Christ, to say, "There's Jesus. He's come to save. Put your trust in Him. He rescued me not because I'm special or anything in myself, but because He loves us and He came to save." For an honour that is to be entrusted with that message of reconciliation, we don't deserve that honour, but God in His grace gives it to us. Secondly. There's no room for antagonism and making obstacles for people to come to Christ. We're ambassadors for Christ. God is at work in us and we are his witnesses. And we need to ensure that the way we reach out with the message of Christ and reconciliation in him is reflected in the way that we speak and act. The Bible talks about speaking with gentleness and respect and speaking with love and care. And that's exactly what we need to do. As we bring this message of reconciliation, let's not let the way that we bring that message seem like we don't believe the message that we're bringing. We need to, to live out the way of reconciliation in, a, in the way that we speak to one another. Um, we, the, the world isn't, isn't our enemy. The, the, we're, our enemies are the, the, the principalities and the powers and um, the evil forces of darkness. Uh, the people out there are people that we want to see right in Christ, just like we, by God's grace, get to be right in Christ. So there's no room for making obstacles for people to come to Christ. So get rid of the obstacles. Three, we don't do this in our own power, uh, but we do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. God is at work in us. He's at work in the people that we're speaking to. And he's at work in creating the opportunities as well. At the end of Matthew's gospel, where Jesus sends out uh, his disciples, um, who in then turn to send out more and more disciples and so on, uh, he says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the very end of the age. Jesus promises to be with us. To the very end of the age. So when when you're talking to someone, say a work colleague or someone you meet at the street, whatever it is, God is with you. He's with you as you as you as you uh, encounter that person. As you say something uh, to that person about the Lord Jesus, He is with you and present there. And I find that super encouraging. I don't know about you, but um, when 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 I go and, and talk to people about Jesus, I, I realize how inadequate I am. And it just reminds me of how gracious God is, that he's there, that he's, he's, he's with us. He's empowering us to do that. Um, and you just think, wow, thank you, God. He didn't leave us on our own. Jesus comes to live in us by his Holy Spirit. And that's just amazingly wonderful and kind. Fourthly, let's go and take those opportunities. Judgment Day is coming, like he warned us in here. We don't know when that will be, but we do know that Jesus is coming back. And we know that we, we need to take every opportunity that, that is presented before us. I wrote something here in a pen that I can't read. But, uh, <laughs> but the gist of what I'm trying to say is that every opportunity that we get, we should be taking. It, it doesn't matter whether, whether you know, maybe, maybe you go to the barber. And you go, you know, I'll, I'll go to the same barber and I'll talk to him. You have got a captive audience there. <laughs> maybe ask for a complicated haircut, get some of those lines in the side. <laughs> Whatever it takes, use the opportunity. Witness to the person. Tell, tell them about the Lord Jesus and his love for them. Maybe go walk up to some people on the street. Chat to them. Uh, maybe you could talk to your neighbors. Uh, maybe, maybe you could talk to a work colleague, someone at school, maybe a friend at uni. Uh, The possibilities are endless and God is at work creating them Uh, and and he's at work in us and he's at work in them. And so he is calling us to embrace the ministry of reconciliation. He has, for all of us who have been reconciled to God, he has done that for us. He's restored that relationship. And now he's sending us out there to go and bring that message to others that they might have that relationship restored as well. And what awesome love that is. Uh, what what amazing kindness for God to do that. Uh, and and so let's not be quiet and hide our light under a bushel. Let's go and tell people about the love of the Lord Jesus. Um, if you want to join on Wednesday mornings, uh, you're always welcome to come and join Pete and I here at the church at 9.30 to come and do evangelism. I'm just walking up to people. Um, we haven't knocked on doors because we didn't want to scare people, but we just chat to people as they're around, like things at the shops and, and, and speak to people. Um, maybe that's a terrible time for you. Maybe you work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and you think that's never going to work. That's fine. You don't have to do it on a Wednesday. Grab someone from church. Go out together. Tell people about Jesus. Uh, and and why would you do that? Uh, well, it's not just because you kind of feel, oh, I feel sort of obliged to do this. We've got to tick that evangelism box, you know. Reading my Bible is hard enough. <laughs> um, no, we do this because God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. He has given us the message that we need and everyone else needs to stand right in God's sight at the end of time. Do it out of love for God, out of out of a desire to see Him glorified and out of a love for the people to see them standing righteous in God's sight. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we want to be praying. We want to be praying. we praying people who ask God for those opportunities and ask God for the courage to take them. I know um, sometimes in the past in my sinfulness, I've, you know, kind of thought, well, I didn't really have an opportunity when I did. And, and, I, and I look back on that and I think, man, I wish I'd taken those opportunities. Because at the end of time, if you think about it, when we all stand before God's judgment seat, the end of time, there will be people there who will look to you and go, wow, you told me about Jesus and now I stand righteous before God. How grateful will we be to those people who did that for us? I know I'm so thankful to those who did that for me and uh, it'll be a wonderful time of, of joy and rejoicing as we enjoy that time together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are so glorious and kind. Thank you for reconciling us to yourself in the Lord Jesus. Thank you that you are just as you do that and loving and kind and merciful. Lord, we are are sinners. We deserve your judgment. But thank you so much, Jesus, that you came and gave the most amazing swap ever where you took our sin and you gave us your righteousness. We thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you that you don't leave us alone, but that you, by your spirit, are present with us always. And we thank you, Lord, that you have, in your amazing grace, entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. You've given us these words of life that have, uh, by your love, enabled us who know you to stand right in your sight and are the words by which others may as well. Lord, give us the boldness and the love and the kindness to go out and proclaim uh, the truth of the Lord Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw masses and masses of people to Jesus, that we would see so many more standing righteous at that judgment day. And we pray this in Jesus' almighty, precious, and wonderful name. Amen.